Alright everybody, welcome into Hacked History. We're here with a new special episode. We're doing a Halloween special. Ooh, Ooh yeah, we got a, we got a spooky <laughs> special guest coming at you. Reel that enthusiasm back, just a tad. We got Cody from Least Haunted coming at, it, coming at you. Hey guys, how's it going? So if you remember, you probably heard the last collaboration we did with Least Haunted. Uh, some of you listened to it. It's one of our most popular episodes, so it must have worked somehow. If, if you haven't yet listened to it, you should. I worked real hard on that Kevin Bacon thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it had everything. It had bacon, it had political intrigue, and it had uh, ghost poultry. Yeah. Ghost poultry. <laughs> I think, you know, that's the best part, because it makes everybody hungry for chicken, so that's... We even <laughs> gave it a name. Something about a something sandwich club, something or other. I don't it, was the, it was the Francis Bacon Ghost Chicken Sandwich. Oh, uh, God. Yes, I remember that now. Francis Bacon Ghost Chicken Sandwich. The recipe's on the on Least Haunted's Instagram, so if you want to make that sandwich, you can do it. Yeah, Least Haunted. Yeah, it's on their Instagram. Oh, shoot, I'm sorry. <laughs> For a minute, that didn't register with me. Yeah, you podcast. I, I was thinking last podcast, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> hi, hi, Jake. Uh, nice to meet you. Uh, welcome to your own podcast. I'm your guest. Who are you people? Where are you? <laughs> All right, Dad, just Jake, sit down and call Marty, <laughs> who are you people? Anyway, uh, so yeah, so we got some cool topics for you today. The first thing we're going to talk about is actually politicians who are dead, but still got elected somehow. Miraculously, it happened. Because our system uh, is flawless. Our system is perfect. It's perfect. It it's doesn't mint. need any adjustments at all. We're, we're doing great. <laughs> uh, so, so, and then the part two, Cody, what are we talking about in part two? Uh, we're gonna talk about uh, a whole bunch of uh, Abraham Lincoln ghosts. That's right, a whole bunch. I mean, I love it. plural. <laughs> you told me you had a massive amount of research. I'm excited to hear about it. Actually, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's pretty. It, yeah, it gets silly. That's the best part. That's what we do in this podcast. If our longtime listeners, I think, would expect nothing else. Oh, if speaking any... of which. Speaking of listening, I, I got to come in hot on you guys real quick. Oh, oh, okay. I, I listened. I listened to you know that uh, Nixon's a creep, which I agree. But <laughs> my name was mentioned, and I got to let you know, Jake. I do live in California. I'm pretty sure I live in California. And two, I, I don't have a dog in the California cheese fight. I really don't. Um, what the fuck? I don't remember I, any I, of I, this. I remember it all. We were talking about dairy. We were talking about how Wisconsin's superior. I remember that whole conversation. Although I do come from I do come from Santa Cruz, which is right across the bay from Monterey, mm-hmm. which is the birthplace of Monterey Jack. And without Monterey Jack, there's no Pepper Jack. So we got that going for us. But that being said, my preferred cheeses come from Oregon. Of course, Oregon. Oh, oh that's unfortunate. <laughs> Tillamook cheese. All right. Well, that's fair enough. I feel now threatened to a degree. I am afraid to say anything. You've just forgotten, apparently, large portions of the last couple I'm weeks. I'm sorry, alright, it's, it's called dementia. He, he only has enough room in his brain for Nixon right now. That's all Right that's now, it. I'm currently trying to follow where the money leads and what it all means. And that's about it. John Dean is your daddy, right? Oh, no, he's not. He's not my dad. Shout out to my dad. Um, so anyway, uh, let's get off Nixon and cheese, and let's talk about some dead... <laughs> Elected officials, shall we? Elected yes. officials. <laughs> uh, so the first one I want to talk about, and uh, shout out to Mental Floss for a really great article giving me some good primary resources to start from here. Uh, so the first one's a guy named 
Mel Carnahan, I believe that's how you say his last name. He's from Missouri. So he was actually running for governor uh, in, I believe, 2000. Yes. Uh, so basically, he was running to be in the U.S. Senate. He was the current governor of the state of Missouri. Uh, he gets in a plane, basically, to go to a debate, a presidential debate that was going to happen in 2000. So this is Bush v. Gore. So, you know, <laughs> riveting stuff. <laughs> Fucking who invented the internet part, dose? <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so he's uh, getting on a plane to go to Washington University in St. Louis. And his son Randy is the pilot who is... Uh, That's an unfortunate name for the pilot. Randy? I, yeah. I, I, think I, I don't I know think, why. It doesn't inspire I think confidence. I, see, I think I see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, so they get in the plane, and then uh, they don't ever get back out of the plane. So the, the, the plane actually ends up crashing on the way to the debate. Uh, and they actually get to where the, they get to like 35 miles outside of St. Louis. So they almost get there, but the plane goes down in fog and rainy conditions. Uh, so he's dead. Where did he crash, by the way? Uh, so uh, I didn't write down the name of the tiny crash yet. It was no, no, I you did. It's it's on there. Oh, I did write that down. Good job. I'm trying not to look Golden at it, but I'll Missouri. Golden Missouri is where the plane went down. I, I feel like somehow, if we really reached and spent the time, there's a joke in there somewhere about, you know, the Golden day the music set. the day the day music died, and something about Spirit of St. Louis, but I just can't make it oh, work. Oh, I was going to make a Goldman Sachs joke because of the place he died in. <laughs> ah. Goldman Sachs. It's all connected. Oh, God, are you, like... A, no, a, I'm not. A, are you part of QAnon, or are we starting a new conspiracy? No, I would there? rather like... probably shoot myself in my own foot before being part of QAnon. <laughs> Uh, so the, the, the fallout, so essentially, this is where it gets really weird, so, okay, so the guy dies, um, you know, in a awful conditions, obviously, but this is the weird part now. So, Lieutenant Governor Roger B. Wilson ascends to the governorship, because obviously now they don't have an active governor, uh, and Missouri election law does not allow the Democrats to name a new candidate. So they have to proceed with this dude's name on the ballot because by law they <laughs> cannot change it. Wait, wait, okay. So is it only the Democrats or is this just like a both party situation? No, it, no it's like it's a state law. So they, they can't change okay. the ballot to get this guy's name off of it. They're so they... had, had the candidate that died been the Republican candidate, they also couldn't have picked somebody new. Correct. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah on both sides. So, but, so that's the first fucked up piece of information, you know. Perfect they can't system. take his name off the ballot. <laughs> so basically they decide to run his his widow. So Jean Carnahan is now running for U.S. Senate oh, essentially geez. under her husband's or dead husband's name. Oh my god. Oh my god. Alright. Um, the lieutenant governor, so Wilson basically says, alright, listen, you know, if Mel wins, I'm just gonna appoint you to the seat for now. So they make, like, a backroom deal saying, like, if your deceased husband wins, you can just be senator. <laughs> I, I believe that's part of the wedding vows. Till death do I take over your senatorship. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and after your death do I then take over your it's senatorship. A, it's a good old-fashioned Missouri wedding. <laughs> They're not even related. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's not a good old-fashioned Missouri wedding then. But... That's Alabama. <laughs> All right. Uh... And, and this is this part's the real kicker for me. So, would you this the slogan? I want you guys to guess what slogan they went with when they did this change. Okay, hold on, Cody, you go first. Oh man, okay. 
I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Cheek, you got anything? I'm not dead yet. No, it's, I'm still with Mel. Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> oh, god damn. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, god. <laughs> oh, wow, the wavelength spike on your phone's recording yeah. is pretty fucking, well, it's. That, that's why we got post, post, post you know, edits, Jake. Yeah, that's that's why You know, it's, it's, it's what they say, uh, in, in politics, never change a dead horse midstream. <laughs> Do they say that? <laughs> I've never well, heard that phrase before. It's actually it's a it's a combination of don't beat a dead horse and never change a horse midstream. But yeah, you get it. <laughs> yeah, mean, don't I, beat your I dead horse like midstream. Oddly appropriate for this situation. <laughs> <laughs> There's gonna be one guy listening to this, by the way, that heard Cody's Cody's uh, analogy and go, he's just standing over a dead horse in the middle of a creek somewhere. And go, what? Oh shit. They got me. They, they know what I'm doing. It's, it's over for me. He starts looking around for cameras. Am I, I dr- a punk? Ashton Kutcher goes jumping out of the woods. I, I brought the dead horse to water. I'm beating it. Why won't it drink? <laughs> He's just screaming at, I won't let you go. Okay, so did, so did she... She won, right? So, no, technically Mel wins by oh, yes. a 2% margin. Because they couldn't just give it... <laughs> Uh, I feel so bad. I was this wit Okay, so when you were researching this, Lucas, where his widow's sort of POV here, was she a politician or was she not? Uh, no, I don't believe she was a politician. Oh man, that's gonna suck. <laughs> How close was this to the election? Like, was this like so just this around was, the corner? Uh, three weeks before the election. Okay, so wow. I, I suppose at this point in time, it's kind of weird because who's doing the campaigning for him at this point? I mean, if she's not a governor or any sort of politician, I mean, she doesn't really probably know much about what's going well, on. Well, had he been elected before? Was this he had he held office before, right? Yeah, so okay, he, he so was the governor of Missouri. Okay, this was the incumbent running. Yeah. Okay. So she she probably had some experience of you know being on the campaign she knew trail kind of with them before. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and I assume so. The, the thing that I mean is that it's probably got to be really fucking daunting to be like, oh, he's dead now. Now I got to be him. Now it's, it's me. It's interesting that you know on the presidential level we have somebody we have a vice president and a president candidate running together. But in, like, other smaller races, we don't have, like, they don't double team or tag team it. You know, you think you'd have, oh, like, yeah. a, oh, And uh, there's no, like, oh, sorry. And, and there's no, like, chain of, like, command as to if the president dies, the vice president takes over. When the governor dies, I think the state just becomes a colony connected to England again. I don't know. Oh, perfect system. Yeah. Yeah, foolproof. Technically, Wisconsin would belong to France. <laughs> to, to wrap up Mal's story... Uh, essentially what happens then is uh gene actually is in senate for two years oh <laughs> and then uh and then she loses by like one percent in a special election to another <laughs> dead person <laughs> not to not to a dead person, person grover an, an taps person. ghost <laughs> uh so that's uh that's the first one and i promise you it only gets weirder from here oh uh, i'm ready here we <laughs> go all right all right so the next one we got is a gentleman by the name of carl greary <laughs> Sorry, that was funny. <laughs> so this takes place in Tennessee. Uh, of so course. He's running for mayor of a small town. Uh, so we're stepping a little bit away from the, the nationwide story, but I think this kind of says a little bit more of uh, just how screwed up all of this stuff is. So uh, this happens early 2010. Uh, the city is Tracy City. So Tracy City, Missouri. <laughs> Why? Sorry, Again, I think Missouri, wait, oh, Tennessee, right? Tracy Still, city, Tennessee. close enough. So he dies of a heart attack a month before the election. Uh, he's running against the incumbent who, whose name is Barbara Brock. Okay. Uh, so he gets 
more than 70% of the vote. So he wins after he's dead. For a he month. He gets 268 votes as a deceased person, and the incumbent only gets 85. What the fuck? <laughs> wow. Wait, what? That's got to say something to, like, job performance on some level. Like, you know, because if you must have been a really bad mayor, if you lose by that much to somebody who'd been dead for a month. Yeah. It, believe me, this, this, we're not done yet. This continues to oh. get weirder. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> uh, so the quote kind of that people were saying was that this is like the lesser of the t- two evils somehow. Uh, and like the candidate's wife. So the, so after her husband passes away, so her quote is the day he passed away, People are calling with condolences and saying, we are still voting for him. That sounds like fraud. (laughs) (laughs) And then a voter is quoted as saying, I knew he was deceased, said another voter. I know that it sounds stupid, but we wanted someone other than Brock. (laughs) Oh, oh man. Oh, that hurts. Oh, man. The the real piece de resistance here is uh, Brock, when asked about what would come of a political career after losing to a dead man, Mrs. Brock replied, I'll live, she said. I'm a survivor. <laughs> Unlike my opponent. <laughs> oh! <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. I was like, did she not even think about the tone at all? I think she not- did. Oh, yeah. That's fucking she savage. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's, when, you, when you lose to a dead person, you have nothing else to lose. So why not just go hard? I guess, yeah, yeah, at that point, I mean, she lost by over, like, almost 150 votes to someone who no longer lives, so <laughs> she's probably, probably <laughs> a little, tad salty. Probably a little sour. And it's a really small town if you think about that many votes, so it's not like, she knows everybody in the town, so she's probably like, you motherfuckers, I will burn all of you down. <laughs> That's her, that was her, like, her, like, uh, her lost speech was like, she was, like, deep breathing into the microphone. I know so, where you live. <laughs> She's but, like fucking so, Bane from Batman. I will find you in the darkness. Uh, what's up, Cody? So they had a full month. Why couldn't there be another person to throw their hat in the ring? I, I don't know if it's just because it was so so small of a town that people were just like not ready to do it. They're just like, no, we'll just. Well, and, oh, and it's well, a little. Oh, go ahead, Cody. I'm sorry. Oh, so I was say, like a small town like that. I'd imagine that like somebody else would nominate someone. Just like, well, you know, Bill's a good barber. I think he'd be a good mayor. <laughs> <laughs> and Bill's like, I know hair. I don't know budgets. I know hair. If I know anything about budgets and hair, I'll tell you those two are the same thing. The way that he shaves off the, my hairs every time I need a haircut, I'm sure you could really shave that budget and get it right, right? in. The... <laughs> way to knock around your computer setup on the, doing that. But I, I was gonna. Oh, go ahead. It's like, uh, I was gonna say, I, I make the best cuts. <laughs> oh, nice. That should be his campaign slogan. Uh, oh, I was so. so, uh, so before we move on to that, to answer kind of Cody's question about um why it would be kind of like why didn't you fill somebody in, and that kind of happens like in regular where like regular elections, even in like point here where we have like small city level um officials. There's only one person on the ballot. Like, yeah. I wonder if it's, like, a matter of they just, like, because they did have a month, and, yeah, you should have enough time, that people were just like, oh, I don't fucking know anything. <laughs> it's probably yeah, what here, it was. 
here in California, uh, well, in our county, there was only one person running for, I believe, like district attorney or, or something like that. So we only had one choice. And then this <laughs> is one of the first time. Yeah, this is one of the first times in our primary where we had. Uh, I don't think it's ranked choice, but it was that, like if somebody didn't meet a certain threshold, they couldn't be on the next ballot. So the consequences oh. that like for some offices, we only had Democratic options because the Republicans failed to meet the threshold to even get oh, on no. the. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, so, the, really, the, one of the most interesting things about this one is, so, Barbara Brock took over mayor two years before this election. Do you guys want to guess why she took over? Uh, her husband was the mayor and he died? No, but the previous mayor had a heart attack and she was appointed to be the mayor. <laughs> so she, she lost her job as mayor just someone who died of a heart attack when that's how she got the job in the first place. Wow. Oh my god. Like, just like the gypsy woman said. <laughs> she told me if I didn't sell my firstborn child for a silver necklace, she could do something horrible. <laughs> just, it's like that, yeah. And then basically what ends up happening after, you know, Barbara Brock doesn't get to be mayor, four aldermen just serve as the mayor, like as a committee for like the rest of the term. Oh, that's gotta be bad. So that's uh, that's that's <clears throat> that's that one. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that one. So so that happened. Yeah, that did. Uh, so now we're going with Harry Stonebreaker. Sorry, excuse me, Harry Stonebreaker. Oh, that's a hell badass yeah. Name. That sounds like a WWE name. That's that's straight out of uh, uh, Game of Thrones. It's the it Stonebreaker. Now, uh, where is where is this Mister Stonebreaker from, Lucas? Is he just a Mason? Like he just. <laughs> Uh, so he's from Missouri. Oh, We're back in Missouri. God. Back in Missouri. <laughs> what is happening down there? It's the land of misery, Jake. I know. <laughs> um, so he's an incumbent mayor, so we're back talking about another mayor. Uh, so he's he lives in the city of Winfield, Missouri. Win? Winfield, yes. He, mm. he's, he's very familiar with winning. <laughs> All right, Charlie Sheen. Dial it down. Uh, so he dies of a heart attack at age 69. Nice. In, in, I mean, not nice, but in, nice. Nice. Jokes. nice. Um, so he dies a month before the election. So again, pretty close to the election. But again, you'd think enough time for you to be able to do something other than just go with the status quo. But if you remember the first case with Missouri, yeah. you know that that's not a possibility. So here we go again. <laughs> uh, so he, he wins his fourth term in office. He wins 90% of the vote. <laughs> wow. What the fuck? According to New York Daily News, Stonebreaker's death from a heart attack only seemed to bolster the popularity he already garnered. <laughs> He's not a pharaoh. <laughs> what the fuck is this? It made uh, him more relatable, you know? We all know somebody that's had a heart attack. We're so. all dead inside anyway. It's quite possible we're all, you know, you're going to die at some point. This guy already did die, you know? like I want to act. I want to hear the interview with like an NBC over there with her there in in that say, election. And I, he's I bet just the, oh, sorry. I bet the I bet the debate was Buck Wild. They just propped his corpse up. <laughs> they weakened at Bernie's imminent chair and said, oh, "Mr. Mr. Stoneberger, how do you feel about uh, certain policies that are being put forth to uh, up the amount of government uh, research coming in for water wells?" And they just took him and they kind of like. 
one guy stuck his finger in the corner of his mouth and tried to like pantomime him speaking. No, I, like, with the other dude just waved his hand no, around. I, I'd imagine it would be stupider than that. It'd be one, of, you know, it'd be one of those things where like he's not saying anything. They're like, "You're damn right, the system is flawed. We hear you." <laughs> he's got guy off screen screaming at the moderator. They're all. He just, ha- he just has like you know a whole swarm of flies just crawling Ooh. all over his head. Oh. The, the, the news, the newspaper headline oh. is like. <laughs> Candidate for mayor refuses to speak out of protest at local debate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he wins with ninety percent of the vote, and then what happens? Hey, and I've got one more. I've got one more debate joke. Oh. Okay, go for it. Stone face, stone breaker. <laughs> stone breaker refuses to break. Stone cold, stone breaker. <laughs> Ah, uh, so uh, um, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so basically, it doesn't even say what happens in this situation. I'm guessing it's similar to what happened last time with the alderman taking over. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> the city just ceased to exist. That going town to be upside down. <laughs> Some say it has no mayor to this day. <laughs> Some say that the cows run the town. You don't want to go to that town. You don't want to go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so his foe is a uh, gentleman by the name of Bernie Panther. sixty-seven oh, percent of the time it works every time. Uh, yeah, you can't make this stuff up. Oh my fucking god! So, this town has a population of seven hundred and forty-three people. Oh. Do you want to guess how many votes this gentleman receives? You said wait, what's the population of seven hundred forty? What seven hundred twenty-three? Uh, he probably got seven hundred nineteen. <laughs> so Bernie Panther got twenty-three votes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> he lost 206 to 23. How many of those votes were man. from his own committee? Let's ask that question, and one of which is from his mom. It's like his full extended family, and that's about it. We just like that you're trying it, Panther, or Bernie, or whatever you want to call yourself. <laughs> They're going to call this son Panther. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, oh. yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's quite oh, a that was good. time. Uh, uh, so, so this next one, uh, so this, this one I've got like a lot of information about who the person was, um, because I think it's credent to why uh, why this happened. Because this is gonna be kind of kind of a different reason why she got elected when she died. Because it wasn't necessarily just to try to like stick up to the man or get the incumbent out somehow. <laughs> All right, Bernie Sanders. Okay, uh, sticking so, it to the man. Stick it to the man. This is a so this uh this uh um sorry excuse me, the, the politician's name now is Patsy Mink. So she is a politician from Hawaii. So we're going okay. to Hawaii. 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 State now. So she's first elected in 1964. Uh, I have written down that she was a badass because she <laughs> really was. <clears throat> what I'm actually gonna do now is uh, read through. I'm not gonna lie. I straight up took some paragraphs from Wikipedia because I think we should just really hear your story because it's insane. Okay. <clears throat> so she actually is the first, um, the first woman of color elected to the national legislature and the first Asian American politician elected. Wow. Yeah. No, oh, nice. In '64, so you said. 1964. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Well, that's pretty pretty early too, considering. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. Uh, so na- her full name is Patsy. Matsu Takamoto Mink. Uh, so she was born on December 6, 1927, and she lived until September 28, 
Uh, so she was an American attorney and politician from the U.S. state of Hawaii. Mink was the third generation Japanese American, having been born and raised on the island of Maui. After graduating as valedictorian of the Maui High School class in 1944, she attended the University of Hawaii at Moa. Moanoa. You almost said Moana. I almost it's said Manau. Moana. I did almost say Moana. <laughs> <laughs> For Disney got way, make way. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time we should be. <laughs> just Disney, again, so. Walt Disney just crawls up through the floor and says, <laughs> I'm going to get a this is. So Moanoa for two years and subsequently enrolled at the University of Nebraska where she experienced racism and worked to have segregation policies eliminated. After illness forced her to return to Hawaii to complete her studies there, she applied to 12 medical schools to continue her education, but was rejected by all of them. Following a suggestion by her employer, she opted to study law and was accepted at the University of Chicago Law School in 1948. While at university, she met and married a graduate student, John Francis Mink, which is a great name. Nice. <laughs> uh, when they graduated in 1951, Patsy Mink was able to find employment as a married Asian woman, and after the birth of their daughter in 1952, the couple moved to Hawaii. So when she refused the right to take the bar examination due to the loss of her Hawaiian territorial residency upon marriage, Mink challenged the sexist statute. Though she won the right to take the test and pass the examination, she could not find public or private employment because she was married and had a child. Mink's father helped her open her own practice in 1953, and around the same time, she became a member of the Democratic Party. Hoping to work legislatively to change them discriminate customs through law, she worked as an attorney for the Hawaiian Territorial Legislature in 1955. The following year, she ran for a seat in the Territorial House of Representatives. Winning the race, she became the first Japanese-American woman to serve in the Territorial House, and two years later, the first woman to serve in the Territorial Senate when she won her campaign for the higher house. In 1960, Mick gained national attention when she spoke in the favor of the rights platform of the Democratic National Convention in Los Angeles. All right, so bear with me. We're about to we're about to get the national stuff, but she's already kind of a badass for all this stuff yeah. she's doing. <clears throat> really, really a trailblazer considering the time period and all the stuff she's doing. Yeah, she started her own law practice in what you said fifty three. Yeah, and like yeah. in fifty three, uh, and which is is amazing in of itself because usually law practice is dominated by dudes. So yeah, yeah, and and, and she's still you know a kick ass mom too. Yeah, I'm sure so she's already a badass. Dude, she should have her own badass. Pepsi commercial. Yeah, fuck Kendall Jenner. Anyway, <laughs> to be honest, I mean, you said it, not me. I mean, I will say it. Though. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, all right. Just I'll wanted to make sure by. you were committed. Uh, so in 1964, May ran for federal office and won a seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. She was the first woman of color and the first African, or sorry, Asian American woman elected to Congress, and also the first woman elected to Congress from the state of Hawaii. She served a total of 12 terms. So 24 years, split between 1965 mm-hmm. to 77, representing Hawaii's at-large and second congressional district from 1990 to 2002. While in Congress in the late 1960s, she introduced the first comprehensive initiatives under the Early Childhood Education Act, which included the first federal child care bill and worked on the Elementary and Secondary Education Act of 1965. In 1970, she became the first person to oppose the Supreme Court nominee on the basis of discrimination against women, Mink initiated a lawsuit which led to significant changes to presidential authority under the Freedom of Information Act of 1971. In 1972, she co-authored the Title IX Amendment of the High Education Act, later named the Patsy T. Mink Equal Opportunity in Education Act in 2002. <laughs> and she's not done yet. Speaking of 1972... Mink was the first East, East Asian American woman to seek the presidential nomination of the Democratic Party. 
She ran the 1972 election, entering the Oregon primary as an anti-war candidate. She was the Federal Assistant Secretary of State for Oceans and International Environmental and Scientific Affairs from 1977-1979. From 1980-1982, Minka served as the President of the Americans for Democratic Action and then returned to Honolulu, where she was elected to the Honolulu City Council, which she chaired until 1985. In 1990, she was again elected to the U.S. House, serving until her death in 2002. During her second six terms in office, she continued to work on legislation of importance to women, children, immigrants, and minorities. So, yeah. She did yeah. a lot of stuff. <laughs> Very busy. And uh, I, I read all of that for, uh, for a reason. Not, not because I think it's... A, well, one, because I think it's important to just kind of talk about how much of a badass she was, because she was, and I don't think she probably doesn't get enough credit for all the things she did. I'd never um, heard of her. Exactly. Me. Yeah, I'd never heard of her yep. until I did this research, but I think it also it also illustrates uh, why she got reelected. Um, because so she served for those twelve total terms, and uh, as we talked about, she was the first woman of color to be elected to the national legislature and the first Asian American congresswoman. And she took a break between those two Congress things to serve in President Carter's administration, and she also served in the Honolulu City Council. So after she returned to the House in nineteen ninety. Uh, you know, she served the, those more times working for, again, basically a lot of those civil rights causes she was championing through her whole career. Uh, and she ends up dying of pneumonia weeks before the 2002 election. So she dies on September 28, 2002. Uh, she has a state funeral. And a few weeks later, she is reelected as a congresswoman. Now, there's a special election in a couple of months that reassigns her seat. I would argue that the reason that she's elected again is much more for memorial purposes. Mm. So the idea was that mm. we're going to vote for her to honor the legacy of just how much she did. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they knew that, like, either way, they're like, oh, yeah, she'll, they'll have another election to appoint somebody afterwards, so we can make this, like, a symbolic gesture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know about... Were you so mail voting? Do you guys have absentee ballots in Wisconsin? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, because like I've already sent mine in, and I know people were sending this out weeks ago, and with early voting, so it's possible that like you could already cast your vote, and then the person dies too. That's also a good point. Yeah, yeah. that is so. In that case, so like yeah, we can't really pick anybody else yet because we already have ballots that are in. Yeah, yeah, that's a. It's also a good point. I didn't think about that in my research, but that's a really, but it's it, a really yeah. solid idea. It raises the specter. Yeah, like what <laughs> happens? It almost either a invalidates that election, which is going to piss a lot of people off, or you just have to kind of run the course and let you know. Yeah, just another part of a flawless election system. Oh, it's great. <laughs> flawless. What? What did the they best say about in interference? <laughs> so good. Other countries want to have a part of it too. Uh, and then you can kind of see just some kind of, uh, there was obviously some partisan squabbling after this because, you know, American politics, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's dead, <laughs> but that's basically how that went. Uh, so the Democratic Party officials urged people to cast a, quote, tribute ballot for, for Mink, but many voters balked at the cost of special elections, estimated to cost between $1.3 million and $1.7 million each. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and then um, there's a quote here that says, The bottom line is that Mink is not alive, said Kayula voter Everett Inasa oh God, Inamasu. Inamasu, yes. 
uh, 22, who voted for McDermott. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and McDermott is the, was the Republican candidate running against her. Uh, and his quote continues, The Democrats say vote for her legacy, but it's a lot of money for a special election. So... That's, a, that's awesome. I mean, that is kind of a fair point. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's a lot of money to... For a tribute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. we could, like, you know, put up a monument or, like, you know, start a scholarship fund or something. Like a <laughs> yeah, bake exactly. sale or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, so, second to last of my special cases now, we're going to move on to a woman, woman from California... So Cody, we're really you. I'm wait, I, wait, hold on. I should really like temper those woos. I don't know how this is going. <laughs> Woo! Yes. How'd you die? Oh. Uh, so uh, you might have actually heard about this one. This one was uh, pretty recent. This was in 2010. So it's a, a woman by the name of Jenny Oropesa. Uh, so she was a California state senator, actually. So it's a state side of politics. Um, but she served in the California State Assembly for six years from 2000 to 2006. Prior to her time in the Senate, which is uh, what she was running for when she when she died. So this happened in a 2010 midterm election cycle. She passed away from complications of a blood clot. Uh, it, it's, it makes a little bit more sense when you learn that she was diagnosed with liver cancer in 2004. So she okay. had some long-term health issues that probably contributed to, yeah. to what was going on. Um, but she was a well-respected California politician. Her constituents really liked her. She... she uh, Definitely, probably would have gotten reelected by large margin if she would have, if she if she would have been able to, you know, actually survive the election, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate, obviously. Uh, so she wins re-election, uh, still by a lot. Actually, she wins fifty eight percent of the vote compared to a thirty six percent margin for her opponent. Uh, the interesting case here is not so much like what they do afterwards. It's uh, kind of the the craziness that ensues right after she dies. Okay. So essentially, the the state Democrats sent out a mailer to all of like the registered Democratic or like not affiliated voters in California, and they basically say you have a right to vote for this lady. Like you have a right to vote for Jenny. And the Republicans in the state immediately get super fucking pissed. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and they basically say that that. The waiting for a special election to thoughtfully decide that senator, like the Democrats are saying, is basically political tampering because they sent out this mail to everybody in the state, and they and they again bring up the special election costing costing a lot of money. Because mm-hmm. basically the argument here is interesting because I think it's a good like it's a good overview of a lot of the entire situation here. So you have like basically the Democrats saying you know. We're so close to this election. It's not fair to just vote for a Republican candidate. Let's like redo this in a couple of months so you can actually thoughtfully decide, you know, who should be in that position. You know, uh, a, a, a fair situation. Yeah, yeah. And the Republicans are like, <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Let's just vote in our candidate. Don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> you don't want to pay all that money for the special election. What would you do that for? This is like a pulling cotton over the eyes situation, but like in a really, really dumb way. <laughs> no, yeah. she's not dead. Puts a. They slap a cardboard cutout of the candidate. See, she's right here. Oh, God, we're going back to the Stonebreaker part. Oh, we're all about it. <laughs> we never left. <laughs> we never left, but okay. Uh, so, basically, so that's uh, kind of the wrap up there. You know, they move on. They have. I'm not sh- yeah. sure exactly how that turned out. I didn't actually take the time to look, but. They just really want to win, man. 
good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure there's probably some stories about it, but not something that you'd probably want if you were Republican in California, okay. constantly getting your ass kicked by the Democrats. Yeah, being butt fucked on the daily at, at the polls right there. <laughs> yes, so, yeah, it's probably a reason that they uh, that they didn't want that to happen. So, so basically, yep. Yeah, so, so basically, that just kind of ends. And, and those those are like the five like main like special cases I wanted to talk about. But then the I'm half into talking about now. Why does this happen so often? Like, why do parties like actually embrace campaigning for these people even after they're dead? Like, what could they possibly gain from it? Um. Just for the lols, I guess, or, or maybe the dab on the haters. Well, and I do have one more case study. I think this one will be new and dear to Cody's heart from one of our text conversations we had earlier. <laughs> this guy is uh, from Nevada. He's actually a uh, brothel owner. What? Well, <laughs> what? He's Whoa, he's pump the brakes, what? Owner. Yes, yes. What no. the fuck? So, for those of you who don't know, it's legal to own, or sex work is legal in Nevada, so there are oh, things man. like brothels. I mean, it's got Vegas. Like I can't be surprised. Uh, so this guy's name is Dennis Hoff. <laughs> the Hoff. Uh, uh, so with his sparkly jacket on the Berlin Wall. His, uh, his moniker, so he's like self-proclaimed moniker, was America's most famous pimp. <laughs> That's not a thing you should be proud of. Uh, he campaigned on Donald Trump's coattails, oh, saying things God. like, make Nevada Nevada again. Wait, That's wait, wait, hold on. When did it stop being Nevada? Nevada. <laughs> About twenty years ago, we ceased to be Nevada and became other Mexico. No, it was always yeah, Nevada. Like, nothing. No nothing, one wants you. It's nothing changed in Nevada other than maybe like getting more lenient on weed. <laughs> All I'm gonna say is this to the Trump supporters who probably aren't but might be listening to this recording right now on whatever beautiful uh, podcast outlets that you may be finding. Spotify, this. I have a radio, Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Give us that five star <laughs> review. Anyway, um. Make something something again only works when the president is doing it. Even then, I'm sick of hearing it. Make Nevada, Nevada. You're just lazy at that point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was gonna say something else as a joke off of that. But I, do you love our like like completely like passionless <laughs> plug of our own podcast on our podcast? It's so great. Um, <laughs> what I was gonna say is maybe his whole thing was like. You know, like, the lizard people are coming out of Area 51 and they're taking all of our jobs and yeah. buying pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> they're buying pizzas from pizza places with no basement. Fucking no, man, Nevada's always road. been a dried-out, desiccated hellscape. I don't understand. Why do you think... Nevada is still a dried-out, desiccated hellscape. Nothing Why do you think that the natives only lived in caves there? They were like, I can't go outside. Fuck that. <laughs> Uh, so, as I mentioned, this gentleman owned several brothels, was facing an investigation into rape allegations. Oh, of course. And he's he also died before this election <laughs> happened. Was this self-inflicted by chance? No, okay. not, not to my knowledge. Um, but just a little interesting fact. He advocated in the campaign trail for educating teens about oral sex over <laughs> no. access to... Wait, 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 hold on. So, you said he, he wanted to increase access to abortions? What the... F no, he no, advocated he for educating teens about oral sex or oh. educating them about a. <laughs> I just want to see him come to a, like a like a middle so or high school. This whole thing was blowjobs, not abortions. I want. Well, to there's see your the slogan. He went to like a. 
Blowjobs, not abortions. <laughs> Free blowjobs. Blowjobs greater than abortions. <laughs> just that is just written in Sharpie marker on the back That's, side it's, it's of It's really old weird box. because you know he's so he's riding Trump's coattails, which means you know he's trying to also somehow court like the religious right, I'm assuming. So that's why he's anti-abortion. Yeah. You know what, Jesus? But he's also a pimp and wants to educate <laughs> teens about Who sex, owned- <laughs> but not safe sex with a condom. It, it's just... I love uh, congratulations. He's, he's a ma- he's a massive contradiction. Lucas, <laughs> you did say you were going to make are- me frustrated with this, and congratulations. I think I I've hit that point. <laughs> I, I want to say, just for the record, that I would love to see him at, like, some sort of school function where he's trying to pass the ideals of that, like, blowjobs concept to, like, high schoolers where he's like, now everybody, now everybody remember, it's not about being safe. It's about knowing how to use your tongue. And then they just kind of shuffle him off the stage and say, all right, that's enough. You're done. Or, or it's done. Like, all right, that's enough, Dirty Dennis. Get off my stage. <laughs> or, or it's like, uh, did you guys ever have the D.A.R.E. program when you were kids? No, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, we didn't have that per se, but, but, but how many? We yeah, had it's like it backfired because like, how many teenagers learned about different drugs they otherwise wouldn't have known about if not for that program? Because of um, that program, like, yeah. I, I, I love that concept because when you brought that up, the D.A.R.E., when it came to, uh, and you and I were in the same middle school, but D.A.R.E. did come to my elementary school when I was in sixth grade. Did they really? And they literally, and I shit you not, and I don't think this guy knew what his general line of speaking was, but he was there and he goes, no, he would put his hands on his hips like a dad trying to explain, like, he would manspread is basically what I'm saying, <laughs> but he was like, now, all of you guys might have some questions about the drugs and everything else he like that. Do you like hear, Mr. Mackey? Did yeah, he? basically, he had that code, and I kind of like. Now that I think about it, I can only associate him with that. Mm, but he goes like, he's like, now I understand, y'all are young people, all right? You're rocking and rolling, you're kicking it, you're burning the midnight oil. <laughs> Sounds like he's on. Drugs. He made that noise. <laughs> no, I shit you. It gets better. He goes, I want to tell you something. When I was your age, I had my first hit. Of a bong, he goes, and what I did, he started explaining how to light a bong. I shit you not, <laughs> and it, the, the sensation, and he goes, and then from there I started to go downhill. And I'm like, in in elementary school, it was the type of, that was your like moment before you became like <laughs> before you became like the Aerosmith guy who looked like I was this guy just gonna insert himself into Pablo Escobar's life and, and that's like, when I became a drug king and, and all of a sudden I was killing men for MS-13 so, and it's like okay so, well so I guess the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that most of the people probably didn't know what a blowjob was until this guy told them yeah, pretty much. Mostly, you did yeah, more to much, damage it. Pretty much. <laughs> um, so the reason I bring this up, though, uh, the reason I'm bringing up this uh, this overreaching case here is to make, kind of make a point about why political parties may support a guy like this. Because if you guys remember, at this point of Trump's presidency, some of the establishment Republicans, especially in the states that are a little bit farther away from Washington, are like. We gotta distance ourselves a little bit because this might yeah. not end well. Oh, I'm sorry. So you distance yourself from this one, but not the other guy. Uh, so the point, the point being is, but not really because they still supported him. So the idea is, you know, why would they still support this deceased guy who supported a bunch of things that they may or may not support, like the blow yeah. thing? So the question is, why? Right? That's that's what I'm trying why? to get to. You know, why would they do that? Uh, so under Nevada law. The responsibility of replacing a deceased winning candidate 
falls to the commissioners of the county or counties the candidate was elected to represent, and the replacement must be of the same political party as the winner. So their whole thing was, we need to make sure Dennis wins, crazy blowjob guy, because then we can... Guaranteed a Republican. ...appoint somebody else in our party. Yeah, Because then we can have the control of that seat. Perfect system. So it's laws... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it's laws like that that are the reason, I think, partially that we have so many people like this getting elected, even after they die, because political parties end up circumventing the system Mm -hmm. in that way. I'd love to know who was the guy who they were looking to, like, replace it with in their next re-election campaign. And we're just like, do we still want to pl- put the blowjob thing in there? No, Greg! <laughs> the next no, slogan was... No, Dirty Dan. He's not the blowjob guy. <laughs> dirty Dan. Sturdy. He's not the blowjob yeah. guy. <laughs> it's like that Trump commercial now when he comes out. He's like, I'm the football guy. I brought the football back. But it's like... I'm the football guy. <laughs> it's like Dennis Hopps, like campaign commercials. I'm the blowjob guy. I'm the blowjob guy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, oh, God. But just to kind of conclude, there's some reasons that people do get elected after they're dead. So some are as a tribute, like, uh, like uh, Patsy Mink for sure. Somewhere for political preservation, so kind of like Dennis Hoff and some of the other ones we talked about with the special elections that we didn't see afterwards. And somewhere just purely because the laws don't let them be taken off the ballot. I'm looking yeah. at you, Missouri. You did this twice, too. Like, you can't get your shame shit together, you. Missouri. Change that fucking law. <laughs> and then, as Cody said earlier, some of them are just because with absentee votes and things like that, it might just not be feasible yeah. to get them off the ballot in time. So. I, just to kind of conclude on this portion of the episode, I think we can all agree that there are some massive holes in our political system that a lot of people don't yeah. talk about because no, it's a it's massive fine. problem. <laughs> Someone dies, what happens? It's different, like, in every state. Like, there's a whole bunch of weird political shit after this. Like, the only thing I'm more certain of now after this is this is an actual issue that we should probably solve. Yeah, some there, there, that's something that should not <laughs> happen in a functioning democracy. You should not have a corpse win an election. Not even once. Yeah, it shouldn't be possible. Missouri. Yeah, I shouldn't... There are more that I didn't talk about. Like, these aren't the only six times this has happened. There are, like, I would say at least ten more times I could have just talked about. Oh, dude, think about how fucking wild, though, if we were to talk about shit, like, in the 1800s and 1900s, and they were like, I'm gonna put my cat up for state governorship, and people did it. Oh, people voted was, like, for it. like, some town in Arizona, I think it was, that famously had a... Uh, I think it was a goat as a mayor for, like, years. Oh, and, and, and he was a beer-drinking yeah. goat. Like, you would go give the mayor beer. Of course he would. Yeah. Oh, Arizona. He's not really much different from our mayor, really. A beer-drinking goat? <laughs> you talk shit about I'm not talking shit if you don't say his name. I don't think I even know the name you of the mayor of my town. It. It's good. I, and, I, and I say that in the best way possible, because Mike is... And I will say his first name, but not his last name. <laughs> Mike is a good man. I don't get to vote for mayor uh, where I live because I'm in unincorporated area. So I have a town and I pay town taxes, ooh. but I don't get to vote on those things. <clears throat> you just oh. get to vote for which redwood tree is the tallest in your county. You know, there's some good contenders. <laughs> you should see if you can. Although I like to vote blue, but no, the redwood's the only candidate. I love he's just looking at the tree now. Yeah, you can see me looking right out there. my window right now. <laughs> this tree should be mayor. <laughs> I mean, last time Garth was with us, he just like walked out to his mailbox, and there was like sixty-five foot tall trees all around his house. And I'm like, "Yep, that's California." Yeah. Oh yeah. 
I live in Endor, so, so I have to choose. So I'm voting for the Ewok <laughs> or the Imperial candidate. Ooh. The Imperial candidate has a gun to your head while yeah. you're voting. The Ewoks, are, you know, they're running like the the real chill campaign. Like, hey, we're just they're the Green Party, here. really. They're the Jill Stein of a uh, of made up shit like, that we just done hang on out this with these little bear the people. Jill Stein versus the fascists. Is that <laughs> no? I'm saying Jill Stein's the Green Party. No, but I'm saying like it, you call like, the Ewoks fascists. No, I'm calling the other party the fascists. Like the Empire's the fascist, and like the Ewoks. Are, like, well, the green that's, party. I don't know if the Ewoks are necessarily the Green Party. Um, they do no. Well, they're not a socialist commune because they have a chief. And I don't know if they redistribute. It's true. Well, yeah, but so did the Soviet yeah. Union. <laughs> We're getting off topic. And then I would say just to just, to, just oh to, god just to, just to wrap up uh, this section of it. Uh, there's a quote from uh, one of the articles I was reading from the Guardian, uh, and I feel like this just really sums up the situation. It's from a gentleman named Ed, Ed Pilkington. Nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's not a, a not real name at all. <laughs> uh, so and he's uh, the quote is. <clears throat> To which one most quickly add the following disclaimer. To any politicians reading this article, do not try this at home. It just isn't worth it. <laughs> can we add a, can we add one of those real serious moments from like the from the sitcoms of we've the nineties? We've all learned a lot. Hey we've, everybody. We've, we've all had a laugh, we've all learned a lot today, but don't be yeah. dead and try to run for office. <laughs> it turns out it does help your reelection. Yeah. Wow, well, thanks a lot, Will Smith. I wouldn't have done it otherwise. <laughs> But you should, you know, don't kill yourself if you're running for office. That's don't kill well, yourself. Don't at kill all yourself. In also, these people didn't kill themselves. Well, yeah. Don't die. Just yeah, don't die. Just please don't. Just don't die out there. You hey, know? Yeah, hey. real talk. Real talk though. <laughs> don't die. <laughs> Stay don't gold, die. pony boy. Well, uh, that's gonna be our next T-shirt. Real <laughs> talk though. Don't die. <laughs> that's gonna be our next T-shirt. <laughs> That's like a that's like a 2020 <laughs> slogan. Honestly, that's just a good slogan for the year. Real talk, though. Yeah, right. Don't die. <laughs> Live forever. <laughs> Sanity's so, fleeting. The pandemic is gonna kill us all. Just uh, all right, but hopefully not. <laughs> uh, so that was part one. What so are you talking was... about? It's not like 15 of our state cities are on the biggest list of COVID problems. Uh, Wisconsin's not doing no, well right no. now, but we're we're trying. I don't trust the. I don't. It's not that I don't trust the governor. I just don't trust the people who were supposed to leave in the last election, but then they couldn't. <laughs> you know, I blame the Wisconsin state legislature. Is what I blame. They yeah. they've been the least active agis- legislature over the whole pandemic. So, did you know that? I, the, I didn't know that. Statistically, <laughs> statistically, that's a list of facts you don't really care about. <laughs> Well, he's a lithium. He's probably just out there laughing at us, like I'm in the woods. You guys are screwed. <laughs> hey, man! All I know is our exit plan is for shit goes south. We're becoming our own country, apparently. Pretty much, you and Texas, and then you'll like fight over water. We're going to join up with Oregon and Washington into the Cascadia Federation. Yes, the Cascadia. <laughs> and then Texas. Yes, is, Texas is going to become a country then too, because they're going to be like, well, if you can. Well, Texas country, already was a country. We were a country, country kind of for a while. They're gonna. Texas should have been part of Mexico. Can we just say that Texas national anthem is gonna be like "God Bless Texas"? It's you know funny. Is like, <laughs> and no, it's gonna be a dark everybody, song. That's everybody's what it's like be. talking about uh, getting rid of like rebel flags and their state flags, and meanwhile California's over here like, uh, you know, because like our flag is a secessionist <laughs> flag as well. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Although ours, but we got ours is the only it. flag <laughs> in the country that features an extinct animal on the uh, the flag because that bear is the California grizzly which has been extinct since 1920 
That's right. <laughs> they just went out in the woods and were killing it and abandoned. Got to love Western expansion. We Dude, it's like... that's your passenger <laughs> pigeon moment right there. It is. All right, so that was part one. Uh, some of it was about dead politicians. <laughs> some, the rest of it was just us vibing. Uh, and uh, now we're coming back with part two. Yeah. So Cody gets to take over the research lead now. I did my part. Um, <laughs> I would suggest we take a break, but we kind of did with the technical difficulties, I guess. So, as, as I hinted, we're, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of Lincoln ghosts, uh, plural. Um, but first, to get into this mindset of talking about the ghosts of Abraham Lincoln, uh, I want to start by briefly talking about spiritualism, um, be- because because it right. helps understand oh, nice. this whole idea and it gives uh, it gives some historical context uh, to this. So, uh, one can argue that the the spiritualist movement began in Rochester, New York, in, with the Fox Sisters in 1848. Have you guys ever heard of the Fox Sisters? The- I have heard of the Fox Sisters. I actually yes. have it. To me, it just reminds me of the Andrew Sisters, and all, that, all I think about is Boogie Boogie Beaver Boy. Company <laughs> oh, fuck you off. guys have been listening to some old audio. You are not lying. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I listen to Wax Records because I'm weird. I'm, I'm a music yeah. nerd, so I know all that. So, shit. Um, That's the whole of the story. Anyway. Well, Drunk History did an episode about them, so you can go watch that, and you'll probably be up to speed. Um, but. These two sisters, Margaret and Kate Fox, uh, in 1848, began to communicate with spirits through a, a system of like call and response based on clicking and tapping noises. Um, and, oh, and pretty yeah, soon, yeah. they were holding seances for uh, <laughs> other people. They started off by showing it to their parents and freaking their parents out. And then... <laughs> and, and then they started showing other people and then started like charging for their services. And before you know it, they're going on national tours and making just shitloads of money. And then this leads to copycats. And then long story short, pretty soon all over the country, you have mediums and people holding seances and uh, practicing this new field of spiritualism or communication with the dead. Okay. Um, I'm going to call BS on that. I'm not going to Oh, lie. absolutely. <laughs> the, the idea of call and response between clicking and Well, here's knocking. the thing is that um, uh, telegraphs had just become a thing shortly before this. And so there's some theory that, like, mm-hmm. the way they're communicating with the ghosts through, like, they'll ask a question and they get a certain number of taps and response might have been, like, just teenage... They're teens, right? So at the time, like, it'd be like the TikTok yeah. of their time is telegraph. <laughs> and so oh they're God. like, yeah, we're going to adapt. <laughs> just... So like, yeah, it's like the ghosts aren't communicating in Morse code, but they're communicating in a similar fashion of like coded messages through knocks and taps. <laughs> they communicate oh, through memes. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not TikTok. It's knock knock. That's a dad joke. So, although there's some researchers who have suggested that the practice of spiritualism caught on partly because um, it was an interesting tool for social reform movements to use. Uh, and that's because a lot of these mediums who were successful were women and they didn't have a lot of um, mm-hmm. outlet for social discourse or like men wouldn't listen to them, right? But now, like, they're saying, like, actually. I'm not the one giving these ideas. It's coming from somebody who's dead, probably a famous person or man you respect, like George Washington. And now they're talking through me, so you best listen. Um, and through, oh, that's like, oh, right. Yeah, awesome. And so through that, then they're able to like espouse their own agenda and ideas, and people are eating it up. Uh, part of it is that a lot of the abolitionist movement 
came from supposedly from people who are in the spiritualist movement because now the dead are saying like oh slavery's bad let me tell you from beyond the grave slavery not good oh my god just I'm the, over here with Moses and he says it's not okay. Just the thought that they that's how they had to justify it to some people. They had to go to that length. Like, listen, I phoned up your great grandfather and he yeah, hates right? slavery. <laughs> what I what I love about it though is it's kind of in the same it's like it, I wish when we think about like a 20th century example of like a woman literally ha- like being a leader of things but having to do it in a really like roundabout way it makes me think of Woodrow yeah. Wilson's wife being the president pretty much after yeah. his stroke. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so then also you combine this with the fact that people are already very religiously minded at this time. You know, it's the early 19th century, right? Oh, so they yeah, already oh, believe absolutely. in an afterlife. So now that they can communicate with the afterlife, it just is even better. And then you mix into that a, a nice helping of American entrepreneurship and then a good old liberal dash of capitalism <laughs> and it's a recipe for success. Oh, like, you're it. making money. You've got yourself a money-making venture. Right there. And, and, then and it gets like it gets huge. It's basically like one of the first New Age religions. Um, and I say like religion because uh, by 1897, for example, it was believed that spiritualism had more than 8 million practitioners or believers in the United States and Europe. Mostly from oh mostly from wow. the middle and upper class. So these are like rich, educated people who are buying into this as well. So wealthy people with not a lot on yeah, their a lot hands. of money. Well, if you think about, <clears throat> if you think about the types of people who would have the liberty and time to be able to actually think about some of this stuff <laughs> to do stupid shit like this. Well, and you know, like if you're working long hours, and you know, at this point in time, let's just say like a factory, because yeah. industrial revolution, you know, you you probably don't want to just believe in a religion where it's just like, oh well, what would Abraham Lincoln have to say about my? I don't know. I probably don't slavery is bad. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, have you seen the ho- have you seen the height of my hat? And he's like, that does not help my current situation. Their their whole thing is that you know it, this is going to come off a little dark, but they're probably more concerned about salvation after their regular life than they yeah. would be about that, that what fair. famous people would have to say about what's specifically going on. Whereas if you're not upper class, it's like I don't have any worries. You know, what would this person yeah. say about this? You know. Well, yeah, and I yeah, and I was going to oh, say no, no, it's no, kind. Of, oh, sorry, Cody. Oh, I was going to say it's kind of the idea of. Within, uh, again, you, you make a good point of it being upper class. They just have a lot of time on their hands. But then also, it has a lot to do with some weird connections. So a lot of upper class people, I would think, would start doing that sort of spiritualism thing. They would get connected in those like sort of yeah. social circles. Whereas oh, people sure. in the poorer levels, mm-hmm. usually it was not that way, right? It was a lot of obviously uneducated people. But again, their lives sort of just a repeat what Lucas said, was just mostly based yeah. on the factory. I mean, you could think of, like, the Lowell system where they literally built the whole world that they needed within yeah, the factory. Yeah. Did I get that right or did I get that wrong? No, you could. No, okay, you could. I, I knew it was that. I, for some reason, I'm always unsure. So, good, man. Uh, so at some point, the Fox sisters, or one of the Fox sisters can't deal with it anymore and just comes out and admits that it's a flat-out hoax. She's like, yeah, we were fucking with everybody. <laughs> um, and she, like, and she hosted, like, she went to, packed an auditorium with people <clears throat> came to listen to her talk about spiritualism. And when they were all in there, she did, like, a bait-and-switch where she's like, no, I'm gonna lay it all out. This is all bullshit. Let me show you how we did it. And so, like, she, like, spills the magician's oh secrets. Oh, my God, it's the Marge Simpson she's like, meme. And she says, like, the, the snapping and the clicking noises, those were our toes. Like, her and her sister had some kind of ability to like snap and click the joints in their feet and oh, so it'd be under yeah. the table yeah, and they would that. like snap it and so they're doing that 
Um, but people still like, even though she lays it out there, they are not willing to believe that she's like, well, maybe you were full of shit, but not all of it's full of shit. So basically, <laughs> so what you're saying is they're like Trump supporters in 2020, where if you prove one thing, they're like, yeah, but yeah. what about all this other stuff he's doing? Pretty much. Um, so one person, though, who was a, a true believer in spiritualism and, and really uh, got into it was Mary Todd Lincoln. Ah, yeah. ah yes. wonderful. Big um, Mary. So uh, Abe and, and Mary, uh, they, they had four children overall, and only one of them survived into adulthood. Um, and, and their first child that died... Um, Todd, yeah, right? Yeah, well, you got uh, Tad. They called him Tad. Uh, Tad. I think I should, actually think it's like Robert. It's it's, it's uh, Man, hold on, I got him written down here. It's Willie, Eddie, Tad, and Robert, I think. Jeez. And um, yeah, their first child, Eddie, he died at the age of four before they, uh, Lincoln was elected president. But his second son, Willie, died of typhoid fever in the White House at the age of 11 in 1862. Um, and so uh, it just kind of like broke Mary a, a bit. Um, also, she, she'd had like, yeah, uh, even uh, beyond her yeah. two children dying at a young age uh, at this point, like both her parents died like really horrific deaths or very um, tragic deaths. And so she's just surrounded by a lot of tragedy. And so it like, yeah, messed with her. And so she's looking for, she's like inconsolable and she's trying to find a way to find, to, to comfort herself or accept the passing of her child. Mm -hmm. And some friends recommend that she uh, comes with them to a seance um, in Georgetown. So she goes, go ahead. Well, and, sorry, sorry, Cody, didn't mean to cut you off. I was just saying, if we take a moment to, like, actually think about, like, it makes a lot of sense that she would be very, like, adaptive to the idea of saying, you know, like, for closure purposes, like, can I talk mm -hmm. to either of my dead parents or, you know, oh, my yeah. kids that are now dead? Like, you can see how she would be the perfect customer for this level of, yeah. you know, religion sort of thing. Well, and, and if we want to put a spin on it as i like to think about it the 1800s usually just yeah. sucked in general so i assume that anybody you loved was either like one of died of one of three ways uh they died from like getting a sliver that turned gangrious and then just like hit went straight to the brain uh you were mauled by a bear in the territories or you just happened to drown in a horse trough <laughs> something along those lines or you got you're in the war and either died of that's, or medical sanitation. Getting that's shot, gonna come up. Like. Well, it was a joke, but all right. I was gonna say I said that because this is pre Civil oh, War, my friend. Sixties, yeah, eighteen sixty. Yeah, and I said eighteen hundred. We're getting there. there. I'll get you there. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so she went to uh, a seance held by these uh, famous mediums called the Lorries. Um, where'd my notes go? Uh, da, 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 da. Mm. Okay, yeah. The lawyers yeah. are pissed. They're just like, no, yeah. you can't talk about okay. that. Okay. Um, so she went to one of their seances and was so impressed by what she saw that she started practicing spiritualism herself and held seances in the red room of the White House. Oh my god! Oh yeah, no, that is that is and an absolute it, fact. The red, red room. room. Red, red room. room. Red rum, red rum, red rum. Speaking through his finger. Um, and it's even rumored uh, that the president himself attended and participated in a few of these seances himself. 
Um, <laughs> he he just he's never in. really. <laughs> just imagine oh. he walked in. I was like, "Oh, Mary, what you doing in uh, here?" Mary, uh, what's uh, what's going on in here? <laughs> I have this new idea about freeing the slave. Hey, what are you guys doing with that table? <laughs> um, so, whether or not he actually believed in it, or is just trying to like kind of humor her because their yeah their their marriage was described as they used the word mercurial was one way that was his marriage was described so it seemed that they like had some strife (laughs) and they butted heads and also like you know he's got a whole bunch of shit on his plate the country's falling apart and then their kids are dying and she yeah she's kind of an eccentric beyond that too even later in life it gets we'll get into that a little bit too um well, and, and and I heard like correct me if I'm wrong. They weren't like very like intimate, right? They were very like they were kind of like married and they were good like for like display, but they weren't necessarily the most yeah passionate lovers. After some of the yeah. stuff well, started happening, I mean, and we could we could go off on a side tangent, which we shouldn't. But one of the things, I mean, even now there have been some hintings that Lincoln may have had oh. male friends. I, that yeah. was an actual no, thing they I, talked I, about. I really actually, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to verify uh, it, but again... But actually, uh, actually, later actually, in the story, yeah. there is the testimony of somebody who was described as his longtime friend. <laughs> so, maybe uh-huh. his okay. man friend. So, um, they're holding these seances in the White House, and... Um, Somehow through this, it like was she found solace in it and even claimed that she did contact the spirit of her son, Willie, and that he would come and stand at the foot of her bed every night and quote, she says, Willie lives. He comes to me every night and stands at the foot of my bed with the same sweet, adorable smile that he always had had. He does not always come alone. Little Eddie sometimes is with him. Um, I don't think I'd be find it comforting if my dead child just stood no, smiling at no. me every night. I, I just, I, I picture like the horror movie, you know, him just sitting in the bed with like the knife in his hand going. I was, I was thinking like the grudge where he's just sitting at the edge of the bed staring you down and it's just like, ah, oh, fuck. I wouldn't find that comforting at all. Not fact, at all. I'd no. find that rather yeah. alarming. <laughs> um, but because of her activities... Uh, Abraham Lincoln started to get a reputation as being, if not a practitioner, although that's unverified, at least sympathetic to the movement. And so as a result, as a result, he receives thousands of letters from mediums all over the country, offering him advice from beyond the grave, uh, usually from some other founding (laughs) father or notable figure like George Washington. Although whether or not he ever took any of this advice into consideration or helped make uh, policy decisions, uh, we don't know. You know what this kind of reminds me of in a way? Uh, and this is kind of a, le- a left field here, but it kind of reminds me of like Rasputin and like the Romanovs, yeah. where like they, they, they adapt that spiritual twist to try to explain what was happening with Alexei yeah. and all of the other crazies yeah. around them. It, it, it kind of reminds me of that situation. It, there definitely regards. are some connections and parallels. You're, you're totally right. I see that. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, they don't actually bring. A, a, a Rasputin into the White House, but there is some kind of spiritualist no. influence going on because they're trying to cope with the tragedy around their child. Um, yeah, at a yeah, time when exactly. there's war, and I could kind of oh, and I could kind of see why Nixon or not Nixon, why Lincoln would be what Nixon's in your brain, no. man. Stop laughing at <laughs> I have the need to go bomb Cambodia anyway. Um, so the reason I would think why Lincoln is probably. I, at least sympathetic is the fact that if he does love Mary, it's an idea of like, hey, this is helping her cope, even if it's not really 
yeah real you well, know and and again like bring that back to like a lot of people say that czar nicholas wasn't really totally excited about what his wife was doing but he kind of let yeah. it happen well, to be honest he... i think his wife was shagging rescue so i think there were other things going yeah. on <laughs> well the point is that the whether that was happening or not, the connections do exist. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, this is actually where we get our first Lincoln ghost. Lincoln ghost number one. Do, 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 do. Uh, is, is actually not Abraham Lincoln, but it's the ghost of Willie Lincoln. Uh, it's He is said ah. to supposedly haunt the White House and had been seen throughout the years by many people, uh, including uh, LBJ's daughter, Margaret. <laughs> Uh, she allegedly uh, said that not only did she see him often, but had frequent conversations with the ghost of Willie as if he was her friend. Oh, which gave me this crazy idea. I lo- do you think? Do you think? Do you think Baron is hanging out with Willie Lincoln? He's just super disinterested playing on his tablet, and Willie's like, "What is that new device in your hand?" He's like, "Shut up! I'm trying Shut to talk. I'm trying to talk to people online, man." <laughs> What is the internet? <laughs> what is the what is the internet? God, you're such a simp. <laughs> well, uh, or, or, or you know, because we just found out that like Baron had COVID, so like Willie's in the corner, like, hey, na- na- nasty coffee oh, got God. there. You sure, it's not typhoid. <laughs> He's just taunting him. What I love about yeah, this, yeah, is... you wouldn't tell with the internet, jackass. <laughs> what I love, what I love about what you just said, Cody, was the idea that LBJ's daughter talked to him. And I love LBJ so much as the president that you know somewhere in his phone records he talked about it with like McNamara. He's like, well, now, Mr. President, I really think we should be talking. No, 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 Matt, Matt, you need to listen. There's somebody's kid running around out there in the hallway, and I and my pants are cut down so long, and I can't think because my pants are cut in my nutsack down near my bunghole. I love that recording uh, you brought it back to the page it's great that's it. that's probably <laughs> i will you know, always if, bring if we it have back. to lose 15 minutes of nixon audio to gain like if there's a trade-off for the pants audio it might be a fair trade <laughs> the pants it is, audio it is, it is, is a fair trade i've ever heard in my uh, life so all right so back to to lincoln uh, uh willie was also supposedly seen uh haunting outside of his tomb in georgetown um but Another oh, reason yeah. that spiritualism, to get back to that, was spread so widely and accepted so rapidly was the Civil War. So we have thousands of men dying far from home and often in situations where their bodies would not or could not be collected and returned home for burial. So because of this, people had a loss of closure. Um, do you go ahead. Do you see, is this going to turn into people profiting off of this going door to door? Yes, but not exactly, not exactly the way you think. Oh, God. So. Okay. (laughs) uh, So they want closure, and then you add to that the collective horror and trauma that the nation's just going through. It's the the first war that's being photographed, and it's fucking horrific. Um, And so people wanted just any, any level or modicum of comfort or reassurance that there was something beyond or something worthwhile in all of it. So, of course, the spiritualist movement holds a lot of... Uh, it's it's very um, enticing or looks promising to a lot of these people. Uh, sure, interesting yeah. side note uh, is that in this situation with thousands of dead not making it home for burial, um, there is a solution that comes up to this. Uh, oh, God. And it's actually... It actually changed the way that Americans deal with death even to the current times uh and that is the practice of embalming corpses for burial in america was not Mm -hmm. a a really a thing Mm -hmm. up to that point and Uh, now they're trying to ship all these bodies back on the railroad um and they don't want them to rot away Mm. and so you get corpse trains 
frustrating. <laughs> so you get a whole bunch of uh, entrepreneurial morticians who start developing their own proprietary methods of corpse preservation. And then they like do go seemingly door to door and try to sell it to other morticians. Like, hey, he, let me teach you. I'll start a school where I will show you how to do this. Or I will sell you my own proprietary blend of embalming fluid. Um, uh, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, and and, and uh, yeah, according to author and mortician Caitlin Doty, uh, she's the uh, Ask a Mortician Lady on YouTube. Really good channel. People should check it out. Um, <laughs> but she's uh, written and talked about this a lot. And uh, she describes it as a conspiracy to commodify human bodies after death. Um, and that, like, it really does increase the whole mortician industry. Um, that is still holds a lot of sway. Like, think, isn't it weird that, like, say one of your parents dies and then they come and collect the body and then you have to buy the body back? That is a little right. Weird. Capitalism, a little. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I, I think uh, we're, we're literally about just so many holes in our democracy today. It's beautiful. Well, and I, <laughs> I, I like what um what Cody brought up because I read a book. Uh, way back for a university class, but it's I've kept the book because it's really good. It was called This Republic of Suffering, and uh, we it literally talks literally the whole book talks about the idea of death in the Civil War, killing, uh, the idea of burial, the idea of identification, the idea mm -hmm. of coping, and I love that um, what Cody had brought up was actually brought up in the book. And in one of the chapters, they brought up a story where, like, they say, talking about, like, uh, there were people who'd go to door to door, uh, especially after, like, large battles like Gettysburg, where there was, like, thousands dead. Yeah. And what would end up happening was, like, there were people who were, like, really good at it. They were, like, natural actors mm. who were, like, either out of work or something like that. And then there were just, like, the average dumb shit on the street who would try it. Because the story that they related was that there was a guy who went door to door and literally played the name game with the families trying to figure out who it was. And they're like, oh, George, my son's name isn't George. I'll just start with a G, H, oh. I, J, K. Basically, like, what you John, see them John do. Edwards. And it was like, John are you Edwards, fucking yeah. kidding me? I'm sensing someone in this room, their name begins with a D <clears throat> through a J. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of... He did. Yeah, and there was, the, yeah, the spiritualism movement still holds sway to this day. Most paranormal science, science air quotes, is all directly from the spiritualist movement. Like all the bag of tricks and like the methodology all comes about at this point. Um, but back to Lincoln. Yeah, yeah back, to Lincoln. <laughs> back to Lincoln. So as we all know, Abraham Lincoln was shot in the back of the head by John Wilkes Booth at Ford's Theater on April 14th, 1865. <laughs> shot through the head. Hist <laughs> history, Didn't die, uh, at least like four uh, days. No, he died the next morning at 7.30 in the morning. Oh, but, shit. <laughs> uh, bonus history point to you guys. What play was Lincoln seen? Uh, wasn't that like all yeah, American exactly. cousin? Yeah, it was. So yes. I was just thinking, yeah. as you guys had done, uh, the importance of being earnest, you should do our American cousin. Oh, uh, we should do that. <laughs> Can one. we, in the middle of that, just do a gunshot and have a guy jump off a balcony in your room? <laughs> there's a six tyrannus. I, I almost feel stupid for bringing this up, but there is a really just. Oh, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> there's a so there's a. There used to be a TV show on, on God, I think it was like IFC. It was oh, yes, yes. Kids You Know. That, you, have you seen the Lincoln? <laughs> yeah, my favorite part about that is that he's watching uh, Hamlet, but it's about vampires. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shit. God, it's a fucking vampire. Oh, Hamlet, 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 Hamlet. The vampires are in the castle. <laughs> <laughs> now you oh, fucked shit. up. 
Now oh, you shit. fucked up. You fucked up now. Fucked up. Not you have. <laughs> you have fucked. I mean, he's beating my butt. He's hitting. Oh yes. Okay. So yeah. So as we know, uh, Lincoln uh, died in Fort's theater, getting hammered in the ass so hard. Um, <laughs> yep. That, that's the best part of that whole thing. Lincoln died from being hammered in the ass. So <laughs> he, he got hammered in the SR and he died from being hammered in um, the ass. But oh. yes, but unlike the uh, first Lincoln ghost, this Abe Lincoln did this Lincoln did not die in the White House. He actually died across the street from Ford's Theater the next morning. Um, you will often hear the story about how supposedly shortly before his death, Lincoln had a dream about his death. Have you heard this story? Yeah, actually, I have heard that. Right. Yeah, I've heard that as well. <clears throat> so. Mm-hmm. Uh, that story uh, did not for appear or wasn't told until 1880, and it came it came from Lincoln's long term special friend and su- and sometimes bodyguard <laughs> Ward Hill Lamont. Um, and it might be a complete fabrication Ooh. because he says that Lincoln told him him and Mary Todd at the same time, like right after the dream had happened. But if that was the case and Mary Todd was all about spiritualism, don't you think she'd be telling people this happened like after he died? Like, oh, my God, he predicted this. But she never says anything about yeah. the story. So that kind of makes it suspect to me. Little post. But also, are we, I was going to say he dreams his own death, which is like you're slowly bleeding out from the back of your head. <laughs> Things are happening in the human brain. Oh no no right no! Now that are hard no no. To he describe. dreamt. But the night before, he that. dreamt oh, the like night he dreamt yeah, like a few oh, days okay. before. His dream was that he uh, came out of his bedroom and like noticed that there were like soldiers standing in the hallway, and he followed them, and then they were standing guard over a casket, and it was like his great his casket, his body was in there. Oh okay, yeah, I something like that. that. Um, but uh, so we have his assassination, which is a big deal. I think it's the first time an American president is assassinated, right? Yeah, yep. um, and it, yeah, yeah, and it, and it shocked the country. Uh, at least the North was kind of unhappy about it. Um, and then uh, because people were so upset and distraught, and it was such a big deal uh, against Mary Todd's wishes, somebody decides, you know, what we're gonna do is we're gonna get a train. And we're going to take Lincoln's body on a train tour yep. through <laughs> through New York and then all the way to Illinois, uh, a trip that will take 12 days. Um, <laughs> thousands of mourners will come out and see it, and then it'll stop every day. It'll stop at a different town, and you can go see Lincoln's body. Um, again, Mary Todd did not like this idea. Uh, and they also... For yeah. obvious reasons. And yeah. they also went and dug up little Willie and put him on the train too oh, so that God. him and his father could be oh, buried man. together in Springfield. They didn't. Did yeah. they really do yeah, that? Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, the God. train was dubbed the Lincoln Special and was and was decked out with... <laughs> that sounds like a sandwich at a I, I really wanted it to be like, you know, the, the Lincoln Express just because Express is good. But 12 Days is not Express <laughs> by any means, so... No. They, they, no. they could make a really fucked up, like, remake of, like, the Polar <laughs> Express, but it's just Lincoln's <laughs> casket train. Can we still have Tom Hanks as the CGI conductor for that? Oh, of course. <laughs> Welcome on the Lincoln Express! Um, so, yeah, they... D- Another murdered dead so, guy. So they deck this train out with black crepe, paper, and flowers, um, and the planned journey is going to be 1,654 miles. And the Secretary of War, Edward M. Stanton, issues an order to uh, commandeer uh, the appropriate tracks 
for the route so that like no other no, so the other so the, the railroad companies can't run any trains on these tracks for the duration because it needs to you know be it's, more important things have to happen like carting this corpse around um so although i did mention that um, embalming was big business at the time for some reason that practice didn't make it to the white house so they didn't afford so lincoln Ooh, doesn't oh, get any embalming oh, no. procedures instead instead oh. there's a team of makeup artists who travel with the body and every day oh, it's their job God. to freshen up the corpse um, likewise, they oh, how fresh can they you also make have it? to frequently stop the train and and empty out every florist shop with from f- fresh flowers so they could cover the stench. Um, oh god, yeah, because there's got to um, be maggots eventually. Never mind the and fact that I mean, and, and yeah, oh. I mean, and you're in a hot train car, but never mind the fact that you are doing this not only with Lincoln's body. I don't know at this point the rate of decomposition would be for Willie, but you've now got two. Oh well, well Willie's Willie's in Willie's one pretty corpsified. He's been dead for like two years by this point, I think. Oh, okay, so at this point in time, it's not yeah, as yeah, bad yeah. as Lincoln, um, but Lincoln's still pretty. So, cl- <laughs> God damn it! By the by, the end of the journey, <laughs> by the end of the journey, the president's corpse had taken on such a disturbing appearance that mourners who were viewing it were becoming physically ill and quite disturbed. Oh, yeah, no God. shit. Uh, it was very upsetting. Yeah, it's so oh. get this, get, think about this. Like, they took Lincoln's corpse on a train ride so long that by the end, people threw up. <laughs> it's just like, this is just becoming the John Wilkes Booth victory tour at this point. Like, it's just like, it's, literally, it is like their, like, what last get-together, like, tour of any band, except that, you know, he looks a bit like Steven Tyler already. And, uh, so. yeah, so the ultimate destination was Springfield, and that's where his mortal remains were laid to rest. Uh, that's where <sighs> the, yeah, that's the end of his, his corpse's journey, or is it? Because now we're getting to Lincoln Ghost number two. Ooh. Uh, Jokes. it's actually not Lincoln. It's the fucking train. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Sorry. The Lincoln, the Lincoln wait, special wait. is a phantom ghost train. The fucking train. This, this oh, that sounds badass. The Polar Express. Dude, this is literally just the cover of a Stephen <laughs> King novel. Um, Lincoln train. <laughs> what did you call it? Lincoln train. Lincoln so yeah. Train. It's so by the end of the twelve-day tour, uh, the, the train had passed, like I said, one thousand six hundred fifty-four miles, four hundred and forty communities, seven states. I want a tour shirt. God damn it! <laughs> can that, we can make all a the T-shirt. Dates, yeah, all the dates on the back, the Lincoln Express. <laughs> can we get on that with T Public immediately? So on the back is all the tour dates, and on the front is like him like on a train with a guitar he's like obviously a green corpse <laughs> it's just a super it's just, guitar. it's just a skeleton of him with a guitar um, <laughs> so uh within a year of the the lincoln special people are already saying that they're seeing the train traveling the current that that same route um over a 12-day window of time so depending like you can go to the same spot the same day and same time and theoretically the lincoln special should roll through the tracks or or the train is just running on time so, you know? so that <laughs> could be well, that too it is running on time but it's running like through time because one of the things about the lincoln special is that when you see it 
supposedly your clock stops like you lose time so like there's people who say like oh. one of the first stories about it happening was in 1872 and it was a, a line switchman who was waiting for a late night train to come through the station so he could flip a switch and set it on some different tracks he says that he sees a glowing light approaching and he thinks that like oh this must be the train i'm waiting for but he doesn't hear anything and then it slowly get, glides into the station and like comes to a complete stop at which point he notices like holy shit like there's like soldiers on the train but they were skeleton soldiers and he said that they were st- oh my god like, he said they were standing awesome. around a casket um and then next to them there was a fan- there was a- another skeletal military band and he said although they seemed to be playing their instruments he could not hear anything and then <laughs> oh. and then after the train like moved again and left he looked at his his uh his watch and realized that like he was missing six minutes. Like the watch hadn't seemed to have moved or progressed, but he knows that he watched this scene oh, for a hmm. while. And then, uh, yeah, there's other people who've sit report similar experiences. Um, but they say that always that like, yeah, depending on how long it is, that time like disappears from your clock. Um, also some people say that it's completely silent. Other people say that it is very loud. It is like a crazy buzzing sound. Um, or screaming wheels and fire and hell noises, um, like a train from hell. Yeah, fitting for the 16th yeah. president of the United uh, States. And then also uh, sometimes... Is it the southern states that say it sounds And like sometimes <laughs> uh, the train passes through areas where there is no more track, but where the track used to be, and this includes, like, through residential neighborhoods. Oh! <laughs> John, you get your bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> it just goes through the living room. Oh, Jesus. It was the president. Mr. President. Uh, the president stole my homework. So, <laughs> the president ate my homework. Uh, I don't know. Just took it. So that's, that's. Can I, I'm going to, I want to be a teacher and I want to have a student tell me that. I'm be like, you know what? You passed. The, the Lincoln ghost train, uh. Although it seems like this would be easy to confirm or deny, like people should just go and wait, right? Like you can document this maybe if it right, sets yeah. follows a set pattern. Um, well, and and to sort of like add some of what that is, I have had discussions with people in the past about the idea of like inanimate objects retaining some level of spiritual quality. So like um, when you think of like ghost ships and shit like that, because I know when we live next to the Great Lakes, that's sort of a constant story that we tend to get. But I did talk with and read about situations where they assumed that the train situation was due to the amount of sort of traumatic, you could call it energy or feelings. Or well, yeah, that, make, so that makes the, sense. I, like, yeah. well, I mean, I'm a complete skeptic. Anybody that listens to my show, anybody that listens oh, to my show yeah, knows I'm this. Not, I'm but not proposed. If you were to, like, <laughs> you know, buy into the logic, it would make a nice story. Let's say that. A good narrative, a narrative logic yeah, that yeah, holds would, up would be mm-hmm. that. Thousands of people saw this train. They said, like, it would. It didn't stop at every town it passed through. And sometimes it would pass through in the middle of the night. But people would still come out and stand and watch the train go by. So you have all this, like, attention and energy yeah. focused on one object in emotion. So, yeah, maybe that's what charges up the ghost train. Yeah. I mean, I know, too. If, if I, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I know in certain situations, I know that they some there were stories, but uh, they weren't totally disproven because it's the internet but whatever i think it's interesting because i have heard of people if you think of a more modern context or like jfk's assassination yeah, yeah. happened that like that stretch of the area of dallas it's supposedly people have seen the car 
even though the car is literally in, I yeah. think, like a... I don't know who received it, but they gave that car to, like, a dignitary. Yeah, the, the Lincoln... I think it was the... Pre I think it was the, the leader of China. I'm not sure. The Lincoln uh, Express is in, a, is in a museum, too. Uh, real quick, interesting, that car was a Lincoln. <laughs> That's a Lincoln. Can you imagine the kind of head? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder who I am and where I not all. And I say not all. when I'm driving down the road. Not all. <laughs> Not what all does he presidents say? who get assassinated are Lincolns. Some just drive a Lincoln. <laughs> and that's what makes him a Lincoln. Really. So, uh... By Subaru. No! So that's... Okay, so that was what... That was Lincoln Ghost number two. Ghost Train. Two. Okay. That was now a banger. we're going to get like into... Uh, Ghost Train, good one. Going back to the White House. Because, you know, we got one Lincoln in the White House. Well, Ghost Lincoln in the White House. How about two Ghost Lincolns in the White House? <laughs> Ghost yeah. Lincoln 2, This would be Ghost Googler. Lincoln 3. Yes. Uh, so the first mentions of uh, Link President Lincoln's ghost roaming around the White House uh, can be mostly attributed to one person, and he's a pretty interesting figure. He is was the official White House footman, doorman, and duster for 35 years. His name was Jeremiah <laughs> Jerry Smith, a.k.a. the Knight of the Feather Duster. Wow. <laughs> um, I can't decide whether that's a, like, a dignified oh my, name or just an awful thing to call Dude, that somebody. sounds like a Watergate nickname to, like, a, a fucking alderman that was involved in that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, also known as the Knight of the Feather Duster, and that's because uh, there was a photograph taken of him in front of the White House where he is posing in a heroic pose uh, hold with his... Very large feather duster resting against his hip like a lance. In uh, somebody said he looked like a knight, so they called him the feather duster knight. Right? <laughs> they don't make them like that anymore. So uh, Jerry Smith, uh, he becomes he starts working in the White House uh, under U Ulysses Grant, and. He starts becoming a real character, as you can see from his picture, uh, and he was t he would tell all kinds of stories about ghosts in the White House, and he believed that every president, every president who had died uh, was present in the White House, he said. All their ghosts were there. It was a real party. Um, <laughs> including Lincoln. Even Andrew Jackson, who was a little weird. Um, <laughs> as much as we'd like to think that he's in hell. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sure he is. <laughs> a special circle. Um so, yeah, so uh, Jerry Smith is talking all these ghost stories and says that he's seen Lincoln walking around. Uh, he also told Grant's daughters that the devil lived in the attic of the White House. <laughs> That's a little unsettling. <laughs> all right, Jerry, slow it down. But he would later claim that he only did so because he knew it was dangerous in the attic and the girls were, like, exploring the White House and getting into places they shouldn't and he didn't want them going up there and getting hurt. So he's like, oh, yeah, it's hell. The devil's up there. Don't go there. What, what Grant I was too busy getting drunk to do it himself. <laughs> yeah, so. but, but what do you mean, uh, Grant? Yeah, Grant, yeah, yeah. Crazy. And I love the concept too that Grant would hear about the ghost of Lincoln and be like, "I saw him too," <laughs> and he's a ghost cat as well that walks yeah, through the hall. Right? Where's my shoes? <laughs> and what about my administration? Isn't corrupt? They're good people. They're great. You know what? I, I, you are my best so, friend. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> So yeah, so we have the first mention of Lincoln uh, roaming around in the White House, and now we're gonna run through a little uh, run through of people, famous, noteworthy people who have seen Lincoln's ghost in the White House or have or who have interacted with it. Um, and I'm not really gonna go in particular order, but uh, 
we'll start with a good old Winston Churchill. Why the hell not? <laughs> so Winston Churchill was staying in the White House over a wonderful Christmas break and being best bros. He was broing out with FDR. Um, and they were making <laughs> hard plans for D-Day, right? And supposedly he was taking a bath. And when he stepped out of the bathtub, buck-ass naked, he looked up oh, and God. there was Abraham Lincoln. Sorry. <laughs> and as Churchill would tell the story, he said he supposedly said aloud when he saw the ghost of Lincoln and ghost of Lincoln was seeing all of him. Mr. Pr- Mr. President, <laughs> all of it. you seem to have me at a disadvantage. <laughs> and then it's like a James Bond thing to and say. Then that's it. He, it the sounds... story just ends there. Like no elaboration. Like, well, then what happens? I don't know. Fucking like, fades away. I will say that it sounds like a very weird, like, beginning to like some erotic film like who ordered this sausage pizza <laughs> just as a, some guy from the wrong side kicks in the bathroom door uh, and then uh, at this, around the same time uh, Eleanor Roosevelt she didn't see the ghost but she claimed that she felt the presence and was 100% certain that it was Lincoln <laughs> somehow Hmm. It sent. It felt tall. <laughs> she walked through a spider web. And she's like, yeah, I got this impression of just tall, very tall. Um, <laughs> Eisenhower's press secretary, James Haggerty, uh, and and, oh, Fred, yeah. and and uh Liz Carpenter, the press secretary for uh, Lady Bird Johnson, they both said they saw uh, Lincoln and felt his presence many times. Um, I, I, I incorrectly uh, said that LBJ's daughter's name was Margaret. Uh, that's actually Harry Truman's daughter is Margaret. But oh. she said that she was staying in the Lincoln bedroom and some unseen person was knocking on the door. And when she went to answer it, there was nobody there. And then later Truman said the same thing was happening to him. So they just assume it's Lincoln. Huh. It's the ghost of FDR. He wants his four years back. <laughs> the first person uh, to claim that they had actually seen his ghost beyond, of course, Jerry Smith uh, was uh, Calvin Coolidge's wife. Uh, Grace, she said that she saw uh, Lincoln standing in the yellow Oval Room. Is that the Oval Office? I guess maybe it's. Called... I think that is the yeah. Oval yeah, Office, yeah, the Oval or Oval I think it's the room just off. But of he was supposedly office. staring out at the Potomac. Um, let's see. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt uh, claimed to have seen Lincoln <laughs> oh, in the boy. White House. Uh, a number of staff members for FDR said they saw Lincoln's ghost, and uh, apparently uh, FDR's personal valet ran screaming out of the White House after encountering Lincoln's ghost. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't just because he caught Winston Churchill naked in the tub or something like that? Uh, Good God. In 1942, <laughs> Queen Wilhelma of the Netherlands uh, heard footsteps outside of her bedroom as she was staying at the White House, and she opened the door only to come face-to-face with Lincoln in his stovepipe hat, and she promptly fainted. Wait, what year 1942. Okay. okay. And then, of course, uh, LBJ himself. We took a break from talking <laughs> about his bunghole to have a conversation with the ghost of Lincoln, apparently. He, uh, he claims that he encountered the ghost of Lincoln in the Oval Office, and he sought advice from the dead president and asked him, Mr. President, how did you deal with an unpopular war? And Lincoln supposedly said, <laughs> my only advice, don't go to the theater. Uh, ah, that's completely uh, useless. Thank you. <laughs> and I love the concept of that. Now, should I bomb Denang or no? 
And Lincoln's like, where is that on the map? What is that place? What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> and then, uh, um, supposedly his ghost has not been seen in the White House since sometime in the 1980s. It's weird that Lincoln, uh, that Reagan's spiritualist advisor didn't pick up on him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you, you think she would have like gone through the Wikipedia articles and been like, ah? <laughs> well, to be honest, Wikipedia didn't exist then. But all right. Well, she would have found it somewhere. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's the White House Lincoln ghost. We have a few more Lincoln ghosts I got to get through, and then I'll I'll wrap it up because we've been going for a long time. But um, we got uh, he apparently haunts. Well, he naturally or supernaturally uh, haunts his tomb in Springfield, Illinois. And supposedly he haunts a home in Ludenville, New York. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and the reason being that the house belongs to a woman who was in the audience in the theater the night that he was shot. Uh, uh, Very yeah, tenuous no. connection. No, it's like as he's like fading out, he's like, that lady right there, I'm going to haunt her. And then it's like, <laughs> that, that one, that one. <laughs> I shall bring myself to all of you, my good people, and you, Margaret, on the third row on the east end of the theater. <laughs> um, but why so many Lincoln ghosts? Well, it seems that the idea of Lincoln ghosts uh, became its own little log cottage industry at one point. You almost said log cabin industry, didn't you? Uh, but the, the joke is log cottage industry. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, all right. Uh, so... Um, it's noteworthy that so he's like seen as the father of the nation at the time uh, that he's killed, and for a whole nation that has lost a lot of fathers uh, it, in the war, it kind of struck close to home and got kind of caught up in the psyche. And I already talked about how spiritualism was offering this kind of solace on top of that. So uh, a whole bunch of mediums of naturally start talking to Lincoln's ghost at that time, and, and a lot of people want reassurances from dead Lincoln. So. All these mediums are holding seances, talking to dead Lincoln. Um, he's a busy ghost. He's all over the place. And um, as part of this, uh, it was kind of risky for these mediums to do it, though, because Lincoln was so well documented uh, through his writings and his speeches that and so much was known about him that the average person knew a lot, was familiar with the way he talked. And so they could call out a fake, potentially. But... Oh, but on yeah. the same, on the other side of the coin, on the other side of the penny, um, these mediums also were that familiar, and so it made it easier for them to fake, you know, some stuff, um, including uh, one believer who witnessed a, a seance where Lincoln supposedly spoke to him, and he said, quote, any student who is familiar with Lincoln's state papers or with his public addresses on any occasion cannot fail to recognize the similarity of thought in the terse sentences given through our medium. Lincoln ghosts, so hot. Um, but to wrap it up, what about Mary Todd Lincoln and her background in spiritualism? Was she talking to her dead husband? And uh, not directly, but then we get into the realm of ghost photography. This is the first time that spirit photography oh, becomes a thing. Yeah. And uh, there is a dude named William H. Mumler uh, in the 1870s who, yeah, uh, he could have only lived during that time period. Yeah, yeah he um, he was not a photographer by trade. He just kind of picked it up as a hobby. And within 18 days of the first time he ever picked up a camera, he was taking pictures of ghosts um, and started a, a nice profitable business of taking pictures of people with their deceased loved ones. Um, uh, I, yeah, oh. and now, so 
in one of my uh, least haunted episodes, we talked about a paranormal investigator named Harry Price who famously uncovered a fake spirit photographer and revealed that he was using uh, doctored glass plates for his thing. Nobody's exactly sure how William H. Mumler accomplished his uh, hoaxes, though. We're pretty, I mean, I'm, we're certain it's a hoax, but no one's exactly sure the method that he was using um, <laughs> because somehow the people who were getting their photograph taken were certain that the person showing up in these pictures next to, the, next to them was indeed their dead relative. Like, that's them. I recognize them. So he had to have known what they looked like or had access to a picture of that person in life, maybe, to get a double mm. exposure. Either way, in 1870, Mary Todd Lincoln goes to him in disguise. Well, not disguise. She just doesn't say that she's Mary Todd Lincoln. She she uses a false name and says she wants a picture taken with her dead husband. And he obliges. And sure enough, there's Abraham Lincoln standing behind her in the picture with his hands on her shoulders. Um, and then he starts selling prints of this picture and they sell like gangbusters, like people want pictures of ghost Lincoln, <laughs> but he wasn't the only one selling ghost photos of Lincoln. Like I said, this was like a cottage industry where everybody wanted their own picture of ghost Lincoln, or there were a lot of artworks that were done paintings and such depicting a spectral Lincoln looking out over the United States in a protective, uh, fatherly manner. Um, and it, you know, it, it was, uh, like I said, people had lost a lot in the war and it brought a lot of comfort. And so you see guys, the ghost of Abraham Lincoln, was inside all of us all along. It's the uh, friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of Abraham Lincoln will never really be solved, but it doesn't have to be because he's always yes, with us. Yeah. yeah. So we've learned today. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think there's way too many goddamn Lincoln ghosts, and it begs the question that <laughs> some of these cannot be real because he can't be in all these places at the same time, unless we're dealing with some kind I'm of calling. Voldemort Horcrux situation. Yeah, I'm calling that uh, that home in New York is some bullshit. There's no <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, that's that's what I got. Ghost of Abraham Lincoln, plural, many times. Ghosts. All right, well, we uh, we got another Halloween spectacular episode going. Spectacular. So spectacular, yeah. Uh, so. We, uh, we thank Cody. Thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate yeah, thanks it. Thanks for having me. And uh, if you don't mind, I, I want to plug my show, of course. Uh, Please yeah, do. So go check out uh, Le the Least Haunted podcast at uh, leasthaunted.com or just search Least Haunted in any of your podcast apps or whatever. Um, and also, we're going to be doing our own Halloween special. Uh, hopefully, if everything goes Ooh. right, um, we are doing a, uh, a fun dramatized radio show type program. Uh, for everybody, uh, so go check that out too. It should be out. Yeah, so. yeah definitely. Yeah, don't, go check out their podcast. They do some great work there, Cody and Garth. Uh, we've uh, done a, like I said earlier in the episode, we've done a we've done a collaboration with them before. If you haven't checked that out, go check that out. Some fun stuff. And uh, uh, yeah. yeah, does anybody else have anything to add here? <laughs> oh, oh, you are you are vote. God damn it, go vote. So, <laughs> oh yes, please vote, God. God damn it. Please just vote. Please even vote. If it's, even if it's for you somebody can. dead, just vote. Just oh wait wait wait! I completely forgot, guys. So recently, the governor—I believe it was Massachusetts—he did not vote for Trump or Biden. Guess who we voted Kanye? for? Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> he literally wrote in Ronald Reagan. That's not okay. <laughs> 
Oh man, where's Reagan's ghost? Oh lord. Oh god, he's gotta have one. Oh, ah, it's just lord. him with his chimpanzee in the White House. All right, well, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, go check out Cody and Gar's podcast. Lee's content, great stuff, and keep listening to Hacked History, please. Jake and I appreciate all support. So, yep, five star ratings on iTunes because otherwise they don't give a shit about us. So, all right, well, thanks, everybody.